Adversaries and Allies Win People Over Without Manipulation or Coercion by Bob Berg. Welcome to Coaching for Potential with Rory Rowland. Join national presenter and consultant Rory Rowland as he discusses another aspect of powerful coaching and how it transforms people to improve your organization. Welcome to Coaching for Potential with Rory Rowland. Hi, Rory. Hey, Paul. It is great to hear you, my friend. Yeah, good to get together again. And sounds like you talked to another amazing coach. Absolutely. Bob Berg just does a great job. And I just love chatting with him. It was just a great experience. Now, I hope all these different coaches are learning a lot from you. Um, I hope. Because <laughs> we do on the podcast. But Bob particularly is an author of note. Right. He's he's done yeah. some different books. Yeah. Probably most famous book and that sold. Uh, I think now it's approaching close to a million copies is The Go-Giver. Uh, some people have told me that's their favorite book they've ever read. So it's just an outstanding book. And uh, then I reached out to him and said, hey, could I do an interview with you on adversaries and the allies, which is so important for coaches because you might have, in fact, have a relationship with someone that's a bit challenging a bit difficult. And how do you turn that person from an adversary into an ally? Mm -hmm. And he just has a whole host of just outstanding ideas that you can do that so that you can build those bridges, build those relationships and increase your influence in the organization. Mm -hmm. And and sometimes those allies and adversaries are are people you're trying to work with on your team. Absolutely. Not only are they people you need to work with on your team, but they're people who are critical to your success in life. So often we don't get to pick who we work with. Mm but we do get to pick our attitude and how we work with them. That is our choice. And so we need to make sure that we're having, you know, the best attitude towards the process, but also what Bob talks about, he doesn't, it's not a rah, rah book. It's not go get him tiger and, you know, wish you the best. He truly gives you a whole host of great strategies and techniques so that you can turn those adversaries into allies. I love the Abraham Lincoln quote, best way to ride a horse is ride it in the direction it's going. And I just think that's great advice. When you're working with someone, find out what drives them, what inspires them. And then you can, in fact, work with them to find out how we can use that information so we can build that relationship, build those into allies, not into adversaries. And you can increase your influence in the organization. And that's why this book is so powerful and such an important concept to our listeners today. Well, excellent. Let's go to your conversation with author Bob Berg. Bob, delighted to have you here on Coaching for Potential. Uh, I'd love to talk today about your new book, Adversaries and Allies, but welcome to the program. Well, thank you. Great to be with you, Rory. It is my pleasure. I'm so delighted that you agreed to be on. I'm just a big fan. I read your book, The Go-Giver, in probably about 2010, and that's like that's a bestseller. You, you published it in 2007. Is that right? Yeah, it was the very end. I think it was December 28th or something of 2007. So really effectively, I guess, 2000, uh, 2008. So it's, you know, it's been out there for 12 years now. It, it's uh, been out there for a bit. And it is a bestseller. I saw on your website, you're approaching almost a million copies sold now. Yeah, we're, you know, we're so very happy about that, that the, the marketplace has received it as it has and has has uh, really helped move it along. That's not something the authors can do by themselves. That's exactly right. So you've <laughs> written you've written about eleven books total. Is that right? Yeah, something like that. Yes. And uh, and but which which one of all of them is your favorite? Uh, well, my my favorite, sort of the one I say I was put on earth to write. That is uh, adversaries into allies. Ah. Yeah. And and it's my favorite of yours too. So I'm glad we're on this. We're synced there. <laughs> Thank you. 
And, and I just thought it'd be such great to, for the audience, uh, for coaches that listen to this program, to have the ability to talk about adversaries and allies, because sometimes they have employees they're working with or people they're working with that are it's somewhat adversarial. You've just got a whole host of great principles in the book. And so the, one of the first things is I just wanted to ask is, you know, turning adversaries into allies, it's just more than being nice. What do you mean it's just more than being nice? Sure. Well, you know, it's a, it's a great question because we want to think, well, nice people finish first or nice people finish last. Well, the fact is nice people do both. Okay. You know, and we all, and when I say finish last or finish first, I'm talking in all the different ways, whether financially, physically, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, socially, relationally, and and, and so forth. So the, the reason I make that point, Rory, is because it's important that people know that while being nice, and when I say nice in this uh, context, I'm using it interchangeably with kind. Sometimes the two aren't the same. One can mm-hmm. act nice, right, in order to manipulate another person into doing their will, but that's not, that's not necessarily being kind. But even if we use them both interchangeably, being nice, being kind, it's a great thing to be, uh, just first for its own sake. Secondly, because it actually does help you to be more influential, more persuasive, more successful, because when you are a genuinely kind person, typically people are more on your side. People want to be in relationship with you, and that's fine, but it's not enough to just be nice or just be kind, because you and I, and I guarantee you everyone listening to this, we all know plenty of people who we would describe as being simply nice people who we would also have to describe as being simply broke people, right? Mm -hmm. Or simply unsuccessful people or simply not good leaders or managers or coaches or, or what have you. So, um, so again, while it's, it's a fantastic thing to be, but it's not enough in and of itself to be successful. Success is a matter of doing the correct things in the success process that allows a person to be successful and finish first if you will. And the principles that, you know, that are shared in this book are meant to help someone along that way in terms of having influence and being able to positively persuade others for everyone's benefit. I love the fact you just used the word persuade there because that actually transitions to my next question. (laughs) What do you mean by persuasion versus manipulation? Uh, Yeah, and that is so very important. Both persuasion and manipulation are forms of influence, okay? If you look at influence uh, just on a a very, very basic level, just the, the definition of such, okay? Influence can be defined as the ability to move a person or persons to a desired action, usually within the context of a specific goal. That is influence by definition. Now, there are two ways to do this. There's persuasion and there's manipulation. Um, Now, that you could say, and by the way, people who are really good at influencing others, um, they can do it either way. Now, one way, and and so we could say that, that persuasion and manipulation are cousins, but one's the good cousin and one's the evil cousin. (laughs) I love that analogy. (laughs) Persuasion is a good thing. Manipulation is not. What's the difference between the two? Well, you know, for years, for years, 
I had tried to come up with a good explanation and never felt that I, that I had until I was reading a book one time. And this book was published in 1987 by Dr. Paul W. Sweats. It was titled The Art of Talking So That People Will Listen, though it was really much more about listening than it was about talking. And I thought it was a wonderful book by, by Dr. Sweats. And in this, he gave what I believe is the, the certainly the best uh, delineation, uh, differentiation, if you will, between the two that I've, I've certainly ever come across. And what he said is that persuasion, uh, manipulation aims at control, not cooperation. It does not consider the good of the other party. It results in a win-lose situation. Mm. Now, in direct contrast to the manipulator, the persuader always seeks to understand the self, uh, to enhance the self-esteem. And I would add the position of the other party. They mm. treat people as responsible, self-directing individual, as individuals. As a result, the other person acts more responsibly. Um, in other words, when you break it down, it come, it, it's first about intent. Uh, it doesn't stop there, but it begins there. The manipulator, while they may not necessarily want to hurt another human being, if that's what it takes for them to get their way, they will do it. This mm. is why I often say that a manipulator can have employees, but, but never a team, never a loyal team. Uh, a manipulator can, can make the sale, but very rarely have repeat customers and practically never have personal walking ambassadors who refer them business. And a manipulator can have a family they love and who loves them, but rarely healthy, fulfilling relationships, okay? They will do whatever it takes to get their way because it's all about them. This can never happen with a persuader. With a persuader, in order for them to feel good about themselves, they've gotta know that you came away a winner as well and that you understand that you came away that way, that you feel good. That's why I often say that, you know, while influence, we gave that the definition, right, of, uh, you know, the, the ability to move a person or persons to that, sure, that's fine. But ultimate or genuine influence is the ability to get the results you want when dealing with others while making them feel genuinely good about themselves, about the situation, and about you. And that comes only as a result of persuasion. Absolutely love it. And, and that is such a key. Coaches, when they're working with folks, um, coaching people has been one of the most influential and powerful tools I've come across. And oddly enough, it uses all of the tools that you talk about in adversaries and to allies. And, you know, listening first and, and being calm. But I wanted to ask about making calm your default setting because you know, in the business world, as managers are working with folks, they're coaching people, they've got all this time pressure, things like this, you know, how do they make calm their default setting? Yeah, and that's such an important question. It's sort of what makes influence and persuasion possible when you think about it. Uh, and, you know, we talk about law number one or, or principle number one, um, which is to master your emotions, control your own emotions. The, the sages asked, who is mighty? And they answered, that person who can control their own emotions and make of an enemy or of an adversary a friend, an ally, right? Mm. And you know, this is where it begins because it's only when you're in control, when you can control your own emotions, that you're even in a position 
to take a, a potentially negative situation or person and turn it into a win for everyone involved. Uh, we know this intuitively, how much respect do people have for that person who is able to keep calm and maintain self-control and be on top of things when, when really it's a, a, a tough situation and one where most people are, are panicking. Of course, we respect that person and we know it's a great way to lead and certainly to coach. And yet how often, Rory, how often do we allow ourselves based on what someone else has said or done? Do we become defensive or helpless or victimy or angry, right? And we say or do that very thing that not only is not productive, but is absolutely counterproductive in, in attaining our, our goal. And, and why is that? Well, because we're human. And as human beings, we're emotional creatures. Um, and we, we are emotion-driven. And because of this, we make major decisions based on emotion. Uh, and then we, you know, back it up with logic. We rationalize and we can say, you know, rationalize is, is rational lies, right? We, and right. we excuse to ourselves. So first of all, before we even talk about making calm your, your default setting, let me just say that what we're not suggesting is you deny your emotions, uh, or ignore them, first, they're, they're, that wouldn't be in alignment with human nature. We, we simply couldn't do it for too long. Uh, but it's also not necessary. Emotions are a great part of life. They, may, they give us joy. They make life worthwhile. No, we're simply saying make sure you, you are the master of your emotions rather than your emotions being the master of you. Right. Or, you know, as one of my great friends and mentors, Dandi Skumachi, so excellently puts it, by all means, take your emotions along for the ride, but make sure you are driving the car. I love that. control, right. Your emotions, bring them with you. Hey, <laughs> they, they, are, they have wisdom to share too, but make sure that, you know, the CEO, which is you, your mind, your logical mind, make sure that's the decision maker. The, uh, your emotions are in the, uh, passenger seat with the, the safety belts tightly uh, buckled. <laughs> so how do we make calm our default setting? Well, first it's understanding why it's so important. And because, uh, you know, as you know, I'm, and I think this is so important for any coach to understand, which in, and I, I know that every one of them listening to this already knows, and that is until you're aware of having an issue, you, you can't take steps to improve it. So we first have to understand why it's so important to make calm your default setting. By the way, what is a default setting? Well, just like in, uh, in a computer, right? A 10 point Helvetica is the default setting. It's going to come up every time unless you go in and manually change the setting. Well, if you're a person or this person you're coaching is a person whose default setting is on anger or mm -hmm. reacting or sadness or victimy or you know uh whatever well that's a default setting that's not 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 serving them and it's not serving anyone in the organization so they need to to understand why it's in their best interest obviously as a human being as a productive person to have calm as your default setting because only when it's on calm does that mean that you're in control of your emotions so how do we do it well really kind of simple and it just takes a little practice and in no time this this happens when let's say for example you know that there's something that someone does that just pushes your buttons 
okay? They may say something, they may do something, it might be to you directly, it might be it's just something they do, and you know that you react instead of respond, you react in a negative way. Well, and you're not calm, you're angry and you lash out and you, and, and this is a pattern, this happens. Sure. Now what I want you to do, and, and of course you'll, you'll coach your person, right, to, to, to do this, is, uh, is you see this situation happening. If it's happened before, it's gonna happen again or at least something similar will and that's what, that's what matters. And see yourself uh, you know, in front of this person and this person says or does what they say or do that causes your, your anger. And I want you to see that happening. And imagine your usual reaction of anger and so forth and how you feel afterwards and how it upsets everyone and, and, and just kind of be with that for a second. Now I want you to picture it again. Only mm. this time, I want you to picture yourself. I want you to imagine yourself. I want you feeling yourself just responding with calmness, with peacefulness. It doesn't bother you at all. In fact, you know you expect it. It's going to happen. It's fine. In the big scheme of life, of, of things, no one's dying. No one's, you know, it's just, it's fine. And you just see yourself handling it. Picture yourself. I mean, really picture yourself handling it beautifully. You don't argue or interrupt. You let this person have their say. You very calmly explain to them what's going to use the perfect language. Don't worry about the exact language right now. That, that, that will come. But, but right now you just picture the feeling of it happening and you feel great about it. And I want you to hold that picture and then I want you to practice it. I want mm. you to see this again and again and again. It's very similar to an astronaut who before they go up into space, he or she will run through hundreds and hundreds of simulations. Why? Because when they're actually up in space and heaven forbid something happens, the machinery breaks or whatever it is that they frack, well, they've already done it. They know it. They've, they've been there before. Uh, and they're able to very easily handle it because they're experienced with it. Now, someone might say, well, being up in space and having it happen isn't the exact same as a simulation and, and uh, uh, handling, a, you know, responding with calm, making calm your default setting, that's not the same as picture. No, but it's close enough because we know that the human mind, the unconscious cannot distinguish between what has actually happened and what has been suggested to it over and over again with the appropriate imagery. Okay, so so it actually does work. Now, here's what happens. The next time this occurs, you'll actually have a conversation with yourself that little in that nanosecond. Right. You'll have this. I've been here. This person says or does the, what they do. I've been here before. I've seen this. This is what I pray. This is what my my coach or this is what my, you know, CEO or this is what my super or this is what whoever was teaching me. This is what they told me was going to happen. It, of course, I know this. I can handle this. And boom. You go right into calm and you handle it beautifully. And afterwards you feel great about it. Now, two very quick points. One, if you can do it that time, you know you can do it every time. Right. Point number two, you won't do it that way every time. Because <laughs> 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 you're human and I'm human and we're all gonna we're gonna mess up every so often. But I'll tell you what, you do this for a couple of weeks, all right? And you're going to find yourself nailing it 99% of the time. Um, you know, I mean, life is always a work in pro uh, pro uh, progress. But right. you're going to find yourself and you will get to the point where calm is your default setting. And I'll tell you, because I, it happened with me. I can tell you firsthand, plus with the thousands of people I've taught how to do this, you will become known 
by others as that person who is just calm and in control and just is a leader and handles things. So there's really, uh, you know, great uh, uh, enlightened self-interest in making this a part of your life and making calm your default setting. I absolutely love it. And, and that's actually one of the first principles is mastering your emotions, which that's really what you're talking about there is just, that's a way to master your emotions is to do that. So what are the other five principles in the book uh, in adversaries versus into adversaries into allies and how you can use those? Number one, obviously is mastering your emotions. If I'm correct. Yes, absolutely. The second one is to understand the clash of belief systems. And this is simply nothing more than understanding that as human beings, we all see the world from our own unique viewpoints, what I call Mm. our belief systems. Uh, A belief is a subjective truth. It's not necessarily the truth. It's our truth. Now, sometimes the two are the same. Often they're not, <laughs> right. But, right? We see the world through a belief system based on upbringing, environment, schooling, and then news media, television shows, movies, you know, everything around us. But it's pretty etched in stone by the time we're a little more than toddlers. And through most of our lives, we as human beings, until we're aware of this, and even afterwards, we pretty much uh, are controlled by what I call an unconscious operating system. And our choices are not as, as free will as we like to think they are. <laughs> they're they're mm. really made within a very specific frame, a matrix, if you will, of what's acceptable and what's not. Well, here, here's the thing. As human beings, we all, um, uh, as human beings, we all see the world our way, but we assume that everyone else does as well. <laughs> it's not going to be any different. It's all we know. So typically, a any kind of conflict is the result of two people seeing basically the same thing from two totally different points of view and not even realizing it. Yeah, no doubt. That's a misunderstanding. That's why. So we we have to understand the clash of belief systems until we understand it again we're not even in a position to do anything about it and this is why asking questions is so important it's why clarification is so important the most dangerous thing we can do as a coach is to hear something that someone says and then give an opinion on that without digging to make absolutely sure we know where that person's coming from and why. Because otherwise, we're giving them an answer based on our view of the world and our own experiences. That is absolutely perfect. That is such an important characteristic of great coaches to understand the clash of beliefs and going from there, which is really another important question, which leads into the third principle, and I'll, I won't steal your thunder, but the third principle is really important because you got to control that to understand the clash of beliefs. Yeah, well, this is to set the proper frame. Mm-hmm. And here's the thing. Do this correctly, and you're 80% of the way to the outcome you desire, which will be beneficial for everyone involved. Setting the frame properly is so important. So let's ask the question, what is a frame? Well, mm-hmm. a frame is the foundation from which everything else evolves. Now, obviously, with that being the case, you set the proper frame and you're almost already there. 
Um, can I give you an example? I think I talked about this in the book, but I'm not sure, but it's, yeah, I'm sure I did, but it's my favorite frame story. And while it seems to have nothing to do with business, to uh-huh. me, it has everything to do with business and with coaching. Absolutely. Far away. So I'm in a Dunkin' Donuts restaurant, which is my you know favorite place to hang out. <laughs> and I'm drinking Dunkin' Donuts coffee right now as we're talking. Uh, <laughs> And there was a little boy, little toddler, had to be anywhere from two to three years old, and he's running around the restaurant. And his parents call him over back to their table. So he starts walking back there, and suddenly he slips on the floor. He takes a spill. Now, he didn't Ouch. hurt himself. You could, I know. Uh, but you, you could tell he, he wasn't hurt. But he was shocked. He was surprised. This was not within his, his reference point in his life so far, right? First thing he does is what? He looks over at his parents to get their interpretation of the event. Mm. What happened happened. He wanted to know, okay, mom and pop, what's next? Is this a good thing? Is this a bad thing? Right? Well, I truly believe that had his parents gotten upset and panicky and, oh, no, my poor baby, right? He'd have started crying. But what they did is they handled it so beautifully. They walked over quickly, of course, but, but they had very much a, a default setting of calm, right? They were very calm. They were very serene and peaceful. They had smiles on their faces. Uh, they, they, uh, they smiled. They applauded. They laughed. They said, oh, what a good trick. Oh, that looks like so much fun. Can you do it again, right? And right. immediately, the little boy began to laugh. Mm. What the parents did, is they set a productive frame from which he could operate. Mm. So rather than having to dry his tears, they set a frame so that tears weren't even an issue. Love it. Yeah. And Absolutely so- love it. And, and that's the key too. I, I think I've heard you tell stories too. You do it in airports too. You walk up to the gate agent and just completely change the frame and it changes the whole perspective of that person. Exactly. Absolutely. And it can be as simple as a, as a smile. It can also be when you see that, that person at the airport who's really had, you know, the desk agent who's harried, you say, wow, I'm so sorry. I, I, you must really be busy right now and I hate to even bother you. And immediately the smile on their face lights up. Oh no, that's what we're here for, right? Uh, it's again, it's how you, but you do it with respect. You're not manipulating a person. You're right. trying to make another person's world better. And as a result, you know, it, it comes back. Now, this is why in the business sense, John David Mann and, uh, and I, uh, John's, of course, the co-author of the Go-Giver series, uh, why we say that money is simply an echo of value, mm. right? It's the thunder to values lightning. In other words, focus, move your focus off of yourself, shift your focus, move from an I focus or me focus to an other focus, Right. Right. Adding value, adding immense value to their lives. And, and, and now wh- whatever you receive, whether it's, whether it's money, whether it's friendship, whether it's the beginning of a great relationship, whether it's respect, whether it's uh, courtesy, whether that's just the result of the value you've given another. I love that. That's just such a great example of frame and resetting that frame. And then the, the last one is uh, the fifth principle is, is tact and empathy. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, well, you know, tap my, my dad, who I adore and love, and I was blessed with the greatest parents, uh, my dad has always defined tact as the language of strength. Mm. 
and I've always enjoyed that, uh, that uh, definition, if you will, or description, because to me, it takes a lot of strength to be tactful to another person when you just really feel as though this person either wronged you or was inappropriate or said, just said something that, you know, or emailed and, it, and how much do we, how often do we want to just write something back and click send, right? Which would be the worst thing we could do. It goes back to controlling our emotions. And, and so, so, so first, yes, uh, tact is the language of strength. I would define tact as the ability to communicate an idea to someone that they normally would not uh, be agreeable to. Mm. But in such a way that not only are they not defensive toward you and resistant to your ideas, they're actually open to you and more receptive to your ideas. And you know that's through speaking tactfully. That's thinking about how what we're about to say could affect this other person, understanding that we're dealing with people of emotion, people who are ego-driven, uh, people who are, are not you know, necessarily logical. Um, right. Empathy is sort of the cousin of tact, but they're both good cousins in this, in this case, tact and, and empathy. Uh, empathy is defined as the identification with or vicarious experiencing of another person's feelings. The problem is we don't necessarily know how they feel. We're not them. Right. So, so I don't think to, in order to communicate empathy, we have to necessarily understand it's that we're communicating based on what we say, how we say it, sometimes just how we show up. We're communicating that we understand they're feeling something and that this something is distressful to them and that we are there to help them work through it. But I love the concept of empathy because tact with empathy, if you're just doing tactfully, you're almost just telling somebody what's going on. But if you marry it with empathy, you're really coming from the perspective of we need to share an important concept here, but I'm doing it in a, in a sense of, of care and concern and I want the best wishes for you. But I also know how you feel or I want to at least understand how you feel in this scenario. I love that. That's, that's a great way to put it. Yeah, it's just so important. And so uh, the other one of the principles is ego. Just tell me a little bit about that and, and how, how is that so important in being a, a coach and in being able to help someone work through something to, to identify or work with their ego? Oh, sure. Very important because we need to acknowledge that their ego may be driving them. Now, first, we need to acknowledge our ego may be driving us, <laughs> right? But, but, it but usually all, is. Yeah, it is. And so if we're aware of it, we're okay. And, and, and if we're studying this, then the chances are we're going to be more aware. But the other person, if they're not studying this, this isn't something they even realize. Right. So, is they are kind of making decisions based on emotion and based on ego. They're not, they don't understand that. And, and we can't just, you know, of course, say, hey, your ego is, right? No, we need to use tact there and empathy. But, um, but it's understanding that their ego will come into play. Now, you know, what's interesting is the ego, and, and it's always given a bad rap when you think of, you know, people will, will say, oh, that person's ego, or oh, if their ego got any bigger. And obviously, that's, a, that's a, um, when there's a, a negative usage of the ego. But ego in itself is, not, is neither good nor bad. Ego just is simply the I. It's that part, uh, the I, you know, the letter I, not E-Y-E, -E, just the letter I. It's that part of ourself that realizes that we are a, a distinct uh, 
creature, <laughs> an individual, right? Separate from mm -hmm. all others. Now, you know, this can be politically incorrect to say, right? Uh, separate from all others, aren't we all part of one? Well, yeah, I guess cosmically, sure we are. I, I believe we are. But in our earthly existence, we operate as individuals. We all, mm. we have, uh, you know, the uh, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And, and we pursue that happiness in our own individual way. And so long as we're not harming another person or infringing upon their rights to do the same, well, we have the absolute right to do so. Um, so it's just the eye of, of any one of us. There's nothing good or nothing bad about that. It just is. Now, when our ego is channeled properly, we can accomplish great things, both mm -hmm. for ourselves and for others. Right. It's when you know, again, just like emotion, when we're in control of our ego and we're able to channel it. But also just like emotion, when our ego controls us, now that's a different story. And that's where we can cause great harm to ourselves, to those around us, to our organization. So we, we need to always understand when we're dealing with another human being, their ego probably is coming into play. And we need to we need to to act accordingly. Um, you know, a, a, such a big part, probably ninety five percent of of persuasion, positive persuasion, is how you make another person feel about themselves. Mm. And uh, which which doesn't mean, and I'm, please, I don't want anybody to confuse this with being phony or inauthentic. No, it's a matter of doing this authentically. Right. That's that's what's called bringing out the best in another human being. And that's one thing a great coach does. Um, Absolutely. I, I, I can't agree with you more. I had an uncle, one of my favorite uncles, and, and uh, on both sides, of one from my dad's side, one from my mom's side, both great people. They had a lot of great sayings, great individuals, but it's just how they made you feel around them yes. uh, was the key. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We remember more what, how people made us feel than what they said. Isn't that, isn't that so true? And it is a remarkable uh, fact of life. So the five principles, I'm going to rephrase them here or kind of summarize them and make sure that we do kind of a summary for all the folks that are listening is master your emotions, understanding the clash of beliefs, ego, reframe it, and communicate with tact and empathy. Did I get them all right? Yeah, terrific. I love it. And I, and I love the book. And it's just such a great concept because when you can turn adversaries into allies, uh, what an incredibly persuasive tool. Abraham Lincoln said the best way to get rid of an enemy is make them a friend. And that's really the crux of the entire book is to do that. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I appreciate that. I love that quote by Lincoln. Uh, absolutely. And I'm sure that's what inspired you to write the book too. So is that concept and that, and that just truth about humanity. So any last final thoughts before we start to sign off? And I want to make sure that we also give people a way to get a hold of you, because uh, I know you speak all over the world and uh, you're, I mean, obviously in the pandemic right now, things have slowed down a little bit, but you'll be back to it again and, and uh, get uh, people to get a hold of you so you can speak at uh, their conferences. Yeah. You know, the best place is just Berg, B-U-R-G.com. Okay. And uh, while they're there, they can scroll down. They can um, uh, click on any of the, the graphics of the books to uh, get a chapter or an excerpt to see if they like it first and click through if they like. We also have a, um, on the blog, it's a video blog now in which I'm doing a series called Influence and Success Insights. And we give a lot of examples from this book and from the newest book in the Go-Giver series called The Go-Giver Influencer, which is a parable based on this particular book we've been discussing. 
Love it. Absolutely love it. So what's one last thought you would like to leave people with in so they can be an effective coach and working with people and helping them get to their full potential? You know, I, I think it really has to do with something I learned early in my sales career. So as I, as I approach this from a sales viewpoint, I think, the, I think it absolutely relates to coaching. <laughs> and I remember being told by a, a, a mentor, he was a, what I call a drive-by mentor, because <laughs> I, I, I think I only met him a couple times, and it happened, he gave me this piece of advice that I just happened to be really ready for. You know how that happens sometimes? Sure. Uh, and he, he said, if you want to make a lot of money in sales, so this is again coming from a sales viewpoint, if you want to make a lot of money in sales, he said, don't have making money uh, as your target. Your target is serving others. Mm. Now, when you hit the target, he said, you'll get a reward. And that reward will come in the form of money. And you can do with that money whatever you choose. But never forget, he said, the money is simply the reward for hitting the target. It isn't the target itself. Your target is serving others. Now, Rory, that's when I first learned the great salesmanship is never about the salesperson. It's always about that other person whose life you're trying to add value to. And I would say great coaching is never about the coach. It's about that person you're coaching whose life will be better as a result of having you in their life. Yeah, that's when you really have tremendous influences when you help other people grow and, and uh, get better and rise. When you help other people rise, your influence rises, which is kind of a great paradox. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely love it. Bob, I love your book, Adversaries and Allies. I also love The Go-Giver, which is always just a bestseller. And uh, I just cannot say thank you enough for your time today. Just a great interview and just you've got great information. Just love it, love it, love it. Oh, my absolute pleasure, Rory. I, I enjoyed our discussion immensely. Thanks for all you do. My pleasure, my friend. That was Rory talking to author Bob Berg. Very good information. I love, you know, the thing I love about Bob is he's just got great stories and they're so applicable. He's just one of the most sought after speakers nationwide and, and he's done speeches all over the world. And he just has great stories. And that's the key to a great keynote speaker, which he is. He just has great stories. And I just think it's such a powerful concept and idea to have those ideas and recognize that sometimes you have conflict with people. How can you work with them to overcome that conflict, build a relationship, but then it make it a win-win relationship rather than a win-lose relationship or trying to one-up them, trying to work with them. And how do we get to win-win? I just think it's just such a great concept and such a great idea. Now, you earlier mentioned a quote from Lincoln, which reminded me of a quote from Lincoln as well. He mm -hmm. said, do I not destroy my enemies when I make them my friends? Ah, yeah, absolutely. And, and that is such a great quote from Lincoln. And, and, and he did. He destroyed mm -hmm. so many enemies by making them his friends. He truly was a fan of having a cabinet, which uh, was, uh, you know, a team of rivals mm -hmm. and people who, you know, opposed him from being elected as president. He put them on his cabinet and uh, brought them all together to work for a common cause to keep the union together. And he accomplished that goal. That's what I love about uh, your conversation with Bob is because it's these concepts that we know they ring true to people mm -hmm. already. Um, but we get sometimes we get too much into um, some other type of business training or sales mm -hmm. technique. And we don't really realize that making those people into our allies uh, helps 
not only helps them, but also helps our career and our organization. And, and that's your focus when you come to coaching. Yeah, absolutely. And, and one of the most powerful concepts that Bob talks about is the power of emotional control, mm-hmm. the, amount, the power of maintaining your emotions. When he talks about great leaders are those people who can maintain their emotions in difficult times, difficult challenges. And he's able to do that. And he talks about that in such a powerful and profound way. We've all got to recognize that when the heat is on and when there's a challenging situation, you just got to maintain your emotional control. And he just does a great job of emphasizing that and bringing that to the forefront. So our coaches can, in fact, be in a position where they increase their influence, increase the influence of their team members, and truly help their organization improve and grow in a positive, productive way with turning adversaries into allies. I just thought it was a great uh, interview. I was just delighted to have him on the show. Well, it, you can get his book um, again. I, I think it's on Amazon. Oh, it's everywhere, man. You just you can, you, yeah. you just type in Bob Berg and it'll just uh, Google will fill the yeah. screen up. Go give her, go give her some more endless referrals, <laughs> the art persuasion, the go give her yeah. influence. Um, I, when I talked to him, I think I asked him, I said, how many books you've written? And he was, he goes 11 or 12 or 13 or 14 in that range somewhere, you know, but wow. he likes this book the best. And so that's why we talked about it. That, that it's, it's pretty exciting. And, uh, it's glad that he has his, uh, word out there. It's, uh, buy them all for Bob, but uh, absolutely. Ed, yeah. Uh, help Bob out. Yeah. But, you know, he was so gracious to be on the show and to, uh, just, he was just a champion to work with and I just loved it. And, so I want people to uh, use it because it's just a great sure. idea, turning adversaries into allies, allies, you know, how to win people over without manipulation and coercion. And it's such a powerful idea. You can truly build friendships uh, from a sense of heart and a sense of how do we both win together rather than a win-lose relationship. And he just has a great idea with regards to that. So it's really this. excellent information. Get this for I'm, looking at, I'm looking on Amazon real quick. That's how easy things are nowadays. I can Absolutely. get – I can get – Adversaries and the Allies Master the Art of Ultimate Influence for $15 tomorrow if I ordered it right now. And look what it would do for your week next week. I just have a great week. <laughs> right. That really would help me out. Now, another thing that we, that I could do very quickly and very yeah. inexpensively is contact you. How do people do that? Absolutely. I, I love doing this program, but I love coaching with folks. And they can reach me at RoryRoland.com. It's R-O-R-Y-R-O-W-L-A-N-D.com. But also, if they listen to this program today and they send me an email and they want to get Coaching Manager University, it's my 52-module online learning program where they can learn to be a better coach. Uh, The first person who sends me an email, I will give them a free copy of that program so they can be a great coach. And this is a great way to learn coaching. That's why we put the program together. That's excellent. All right. Well, thank you so much, Rory. Thank you, Paul. It's always great to be here, and I appreciate all the work you put into this, my friend. Thank you. We'll see you next time. You bet. Thanks for listening to Coaching for Potential with Rory Rowland. Join us next time for another discussion about the power of coaching. This has been a KCTK production produced by Paul Lavoda and Rory Rowland. For more information and content, visit RoryRoland.com.